Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's a.k.a. Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. Hope everybody is doing well. This is Thanksgiving week. Oh, my goodness. That means good news. 2020 is almost over. Oh, my goodness. Amen. I can't wait. Yes, and I have two guests. They can't wait to talk, and you've heard from one of them already. It is November 23rd. It's a Monday. We're here on the East. I'm on the East Coast at 7.02 p.m. Eastern, wherever you are. I hope you're going to listen to the whole show because I have very interesting guests. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but the topic is always creativity. Let me tell you a little tiny bit about my guests. I call these two dynamic creatives, and that leaves a lot of room wide open for what they do. So I'll tell you just a little tiny bit about my first guest. She's Jamila Doriri, and her name is spelled N. It's a silent N. N-D-U-R-I-R-I. Doriri. She is living proof that you can be a left brain person and a right brain person or vice versa, whichever direction. She's a career coach and a mentor. She helps people stop settling. We all want to stop settling. How? Creating the life they want. She has an FIT three-step formula. We'll talk about that a little bit. But the reason she's here is because she's the founder and creative director of a jewelry company called Dallasini, D-A-L-A-S-I-N-I. She designs fine jewelry that helps us tap into our innate magic. Isn't that a beautiful thought? You've got magic in you. It's not woo-woo. It's not drug-related. It's magic. It's there. Just, and Shamila says, sometimes all we need is a little reminder that everything we want and everything we aspire to be is already inside of us. I think that's gorgeous. Welcome, Shamila. How are you? I am fantastic, Radio Red, and uh, it is my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're delighted. And I met you at the Virtual National Publicity Summit a couple months ago, as well as this young man who's with us today. It's Robert. He told me I could pronounce his name any way I want. So it's Robert. Last name is G-R-I-G-O-R. I could say Grigor. I could say Grigori. That's what I'm going to do. I think it's the European Armenian. Is that right, Robert? Romanian. Romanian. Sorry, I got the IANs mixed up. Prior to becoming a psychotherapist, and he'll tell you just a little bit about what he does in that field. And and if you're watching us on Zoom, which you're not, I can see uh, he has a sign behind him in his office that says, you need therapy. And I I would agree with that because uh, other than the past four or five years, I've been in therapy most of my life. So (laughs) this radio show is my therapy. Robert was the lead singer and rhythm guitarist in a band called Earthbound George, and he's going to tell us all about that. His family wanted to be a doctor. They wanted him to be a lawyer like his cousins, like his dad was a doctor. And he said, I don't think so. That's not where I see my path going. So he started with fine art, and he's going to tell us about that. Then he picked up a guitar. And what did he play with the guitar? He played Black Sabbath's Iron Man. I'm a drummer, Robert. I got to go look for that song and see. And then he tested his vocal cords and he sang Good Riddance by Green Day. Okay. And Robert says that music and art got him through a lot of stuff. I'll just say stuff in his life. And those were his first therapies. And eventually he got into psychotherapy. However, he wants to go back to music full time and maybe we can help spur him. 
Shamila. We can help Robert yes. listen, listen to the music inside of him. Okay? That's right. There you go. <laughs> so welcome to both of you. Robert, say hello. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for having me, Red. We're delighted. I met you at the summit as well. And I have to give a, a bravo, a kudos, and a special thank you to you, Robert. I had a last minute, seriously, last minute cancellation for the show. And I reached out to Robert, who was supposed to be on next week. And I said, I think you can do this. Are you ready? You're available. And he said, I'm in red. And I appreciate that, Robert. So thank you very much. <laughs> my, my pleasure. Listen, doing 50 weeks of live radio on this show, and I have 12 other radio series, and it's a lot of radio, and I rely on people being there. And I really thank the both of you. So let's do a little bit of housekeeping here. First of all, it's time for the LLL shout out because she's listening. So both of you, I want you to say with me, hello, LLL. You ready? One, two, three. Hello, LLL. And that's lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And we're still trying to raise money to send her to London because she lives in Whitestone, New York, probably TMI. But Laura, we love you and thank you. Laura emails me after every show and she tells me what she got from each of my guests and how much oh, she enjoyed the show. And she calls me awesome. she calls me beautiful, gorgeous lady of red. I haven't <laughs> seen Laura in probably five to 10 years. We met in a ballroom dancing class on, in Long Island, New York, in Bayside, I think, in Queens. And we saw each other at several dances over the years, but we never really hung out. And somehow she found out about the radio show and she loves to listen. And that's why she's lovely, lanky Laura Legs. She is tall, the most loyal listener. And we thank her for that. LLA, you have been greeted appropriately. Appropriately. Now, as I said, it's November 23rd. In case you're interested, Shamila, in case you're interested, Robert, it's the 327th day of the Gregorian calendar, but it's a leap year. So it's the 328th. Why didn't they just tell us that first? So I want you to both say thank you. Now, you can say thank you to Greg Gregory or Gregorian, whatever you want. Shamila, what do you want to call him? Just thank him. Gregorian. Gregorian. Yeah. Thank you for your calendar. Robert, what do you want to call him? Gregorian sounds good too. I call him Greggy because I think that's what it is. You in there playing with calendars again? You can't be out playing kickball like the rest of the kids or playing guitar like Robert Gregory. I mean, seriously. Okay. And here's the most important part 38 days till the rest of this year. Ooh, can't wait. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can't wait. It's the 47th Monday in 2020. I'm not sure anybody cares, but that's what you do. By the way, if you ever want to know a lot of facts about a day, of the calendar, just put it on your Google or whatever search engine, and Wikipedia will bring up a whole list of what happened in history, the people who died on that day, the people uh. who were born on that day, and holidays all over the world for that day. I learned this years ago. I actually made a small donation to Wikipedia this year because I live on Wikipedia. I research yeah. everything there. <laughs> so they asked for a donation. I gave them something. Bless me. Okay. We have a couple of famous birthdays. I don't know if you know these people, but we're going to say happy birthday. So first we have Bruce Valanche or Valanche. You ever heard of Bruce Valanche? Mm -hmm. He's a very interesting looking <laughs> guy. He's an actor, a screenwriter, a comedy writer, and he spent four years on Holly. Holly Hollywood Squares, the TV show. Remember that one? Okay. Hollywood Squares? Yeah. So look him up. He yeah. pops up from time to time. He's a little hard to look at, but I'm sure he's a nice guy. Next, we have Bruce Hornsby, born in 54 on this day. He's an American singer, songwriter, and pianist. Robert, you probably heard of him. Maxwell Caulfield, I think he was a pretty boy in American movies. They're all still alive, born in 59. And here we go with the people we really know. Robin Roberts. 
Sportscaster. I didn't know she was a sportscaster. She's been the anchor on Good Morning America GMA for years. I know she had a bout with cancer a few years ago, mm-hmm. and she survived, right, Jamila? So yes, let's let's all say happy birthday, Robin Roberts. One, two, three. Happy, happy birthday, Robin Roberts. There you go. She's been greeted. She never heard of me on my show, but it's okay. it goes <laughs> out into, you now. It goes into the blogosphere. I hope so. And the bad girl of rock. Miley Cyrus was born in 1992, and that means she oh is so 28 young. years old. Well, don't forget, she's Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter, So, and she mm-hmm. was Hannah Montana, right? Yeah. So she started in the wrecking ball and the costumes and the not costumes and the yes costumes and the half content. <laughs> and I happen to enjoy some of her music. I really, really do. The Climb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember mm-hmm. The Climb, Shamila? The yeah, is that the one she was climbing a mountain? Yeah, that was. A, I think so. Oh, it was awesome, that song. That's what back when song. she had the long hair. Yes. yes, that was a very inspiring song. I love it. And what about you, Robert? Do you remember The Climb? I don't remember that one, but I Wrecking Ball is one of my faves. <laughs> Wrecking Ball is good, too. Go listen to The Climb. I think you'll appreciate it. It's it's about getting to where you need to go, mm-hmm. where, you, where you think you need to be, where else to find that magic. Right, Shamil? Yes, very powerful song. And that's we're good. Now, I have a, a little bit of a quiz here for the two of you before we get Uh-oh. into what you're all about. Not a big deal. Let's national national holidays. So I have a calendar of national holidays that you've absolutely never heard of. I promise you. Most of them are about food. Some of them are about funny things, about dealing with people. And I have them. And there's one day this week, actually tomorrow, there were no national holidays. I don't know why. But I have to tell you, yesterday, November 22nd, was National Love Your Freckles Day. Hmm. I wish I had freckles. I, I kind of <laughs> did too, because I would have. Robert, what do you think? Do any of your uh, cl- your patients have freckles? Well, I got a couple on my back. I can't see them though. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that you showed your freckles some love yesterday. That's Today, right. Today, believe it or not, is National Espresso Day. Today. Today. Okay. All right. Okay. My favorite drink. There oh. you go. Tomorrow, there's no holidays. Now. Speaking of drinks, November 25th, which is Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, is National Drinksgiving Day. D-R-I-N-K-S-G-I-V-I-N-G. One word with a capital G in the middle. Ever heard of it, Robert? No, but I know what I'm doing. Shamil, ever <laughs> ever heard of it? Never heard of it. There you go. It's well, like go- a day for everything these days. Now, going back to the 38 days left, I always tell my listeners, and I forgot, shame on me, that you have 38 days to get something delicious to drink or something to knock yourself out on New Year's Eve because mm. the liquor stores are probably almost empty, right, Robert? By now, 38 days to go with oh, yeah. a good wine, a beer, a booze, anything, or go out into the garage and repurpose that sink and make something, brew some exactly. Kahlua, some bathtub gin, right? Go back to the <laughs> go back to the prohibition era. But Wear goggles. We're, we're all going to need something strong for this New Year's Eve. So get thee to a strong drink and get it ready. Put it on ice or put it on heat or what whatever you do. And I don't drink red. What am I? What am I going well, to? Well, you're going to have a good a good glass of maybe seltzer, sparkling seltzer with a little bit of strawberry flavor or whatever your favorite is. Or how about a cup of espresso? How about that? Uh, yeah, espresso might work or tea. I'm, I'm a huge fan of tea. So. There you go. Then you have, have your favorite tea. tea on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Celebrate any. I, I drink six sips and I'm passed out cold on the couch. So I'm not, I have wine in my refrigerator in the garage here. I had a, a ladies who own their own wineries or manage them on one of my business shows. The future of women 
wine, wineries, and technology. And two of them sent me the most fabulous gift packages of mm. one set with two bottles. She had an airship that arrived the day of the show. And the other one sent me a gift box. The gift box alone is collectible. And she sent me the most beautiful wines. And I don't really drink a lot. So I have a lot of wine in the house. Let's leave that one alone. Here we go. Now, uh, Thanksgiving Day is also, believe it or not, National Cake Day. I don't know what cake mm. has to do with it. It should be Turkey Day, but it's Cake Day. Of course, Friday is Black Friday, if any stores are still doing that. I think Peloton, I was looking at buying a, a treadmill or a elliptical. They're not having Black Friday. Oh, they, they sell ellipticals now? Oh, oh, I think I think they did. Maybe just treadmills. I'm looking at all kinds of models. Okay. The 28th is National French Toast Day. That's Ooh, in case you get nice. tired of turkey. Yes. Spread a little turkey toast. on your French toast, a little turkey, and maybe a little bit of cranberry sauce. And the 29th, I had to get this in, is National Lemon Cream Pie Day. Does anybody like lemon cream pie? No. No, no takers. Well, find something else to celebrate. On that note, let's get to know my guests a little bit better. Shamila Daduri. Well, let me go back to it. Doriri. Doriri. I got it all mixed up. Doriri. Shamila, I'm delighted. To, I'm delighted to have you on the show. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You design jewelry. I'm on your website. It's gorgeous. You're beautiful. I hope people get to see you. Uh, first of all, your website is Dalasini, D-A-L-A-S-I-N-I.com. Yes. And we want people to go there. How did you get into the jewelry making art? I'll say that. And maybe the science. Shamila, you're up. Talk to me. Yeah, so I, you know, was in corporate America doing the corporate job, uh, climbing the corporate ladder, and I just was not feeling it. And I had gotten into fashion, and I loved accessories. And I thought, why don't I do something creative? It was just calling me. And I tried a couple times um, to get into it. Uh, so tried in 2011, didn't quite have the business model right, um, but kept at it. And here we are. So it was just a passion that I had to marry my love of fashion and jewelry and accessories and my heritage. So I'm born and raised in Nairobi, Kenya, and I love my continent. I love my country. And when I was looking for jewelry out here, I just couldn't find anything that I connected with emotionally. So I could find pieces that look great, but they didn't really mean anything to me. And living so many thousands of miles away from home, I wanted something that would help me connect with my background and my heritage. And I thought it was a wonderful heritage that I wanted to be able to share with people. So that's how I got into it, Red. Thank you very much. It's it's a big deal to design, produce, manufacture, and sell jewelry, Shamil. It's not something you do making gin in the bathtub. It's not that something you do baking a cake. <laughs> so you had to source, right? You had to source. Um, you had to you had to figure out what your materials were. You had to yes. find a way. So can you tell us just a little bit more about what it's like to the pro- – I don't want you to give any trade secrets, but what is the process of making jewelry? Yeah, so so that's, you know, so touching back, I hinted at where I tried and, I, and, I, and kind of things didn't work out. I didn't have the model right. It was part of that journey. So initially when I started, I wanted to use antique beads that had history to make one of a kind pieces. And I was able to source those from Africa and these places 
here that I was able to find them, you know, Google, thank God for the internet. It would be a lot harder (laughs) to do any of this without the help of the internet. But I found that wasn't very scalable. It was really hard to find the individual beads um, and then to put them together in a way that I found interesting. And it was just labor intensive and not very scalable. So at that point, I was like, okay, I need to find a manufacturer. And a lot of manufacturers for jewelry are mom and pop shops. It's not a lot of, or at least at that time it was, and a lot of them are not internet savvy. So I tried to go down the Google route and I just really wasn't finding anything. So I heard about the jewelry district that's out in LA. um, And at the time I was living in Las Vegas. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go down there and walk the streets and I will find a manufacturer. And I actually found one <laughs> that was doing jewelry that was the style that I wanted, you know, high quality, name brand designer pieces that you'd find at Neiman Marcus, etc. And I was like, okay, perfect. This guy already, you know, can do quality. He can do mass manufacturing. So I connected with him. I met with him and he was like, oh yeah, we can, we can do uh, what you need, but when I went back um, to where I was from, I tried to get in touch with him and he wouldn't respond to my email. So I kind of gave up at the time. Uh, but then, you know, after you know, a couple of years, I was like, you know, hold on a second. You know, this is the right guy. And I had found someone else in the interim, but they just weren't as good. So I went back to the original guy and, you know, I would say he's more analog than digital. He, I needed to get him on the phone. <laughs> And I've been working with him ever since. So it's been since 2015 that I've been working with him. Well, in and the it bu- was a process. <laughs> I was going to say in the business world today, five years is a relationship, right? Shamil? Yes, he's amazing. He's from France. So we share that immigrant background. Uh, he loves Africa. Um, and we just get along really well. And he's just been such a help. Um, so I feel really, really blessed to have found him because he's perfect. And and do you feel that you found that magic? You talk about the innate magic. I quoted you in the beginning of the show. I'm going to get Robert's reaction to jewelry in just a second, Robert. I'm not leaving you out. Just bear with me here. Uh, do you feel that you found the magic in you as you work with this gentleman, as you work on your jewelry, Shamila? Do you think you're you're finding that? And my show is about creativity, obviously. So yeah. Talk to me I a little bit about so. that. Yeah, so when I found him, so, you know, like I said, I initially was making all my pieces by hand. They were antique beads, didn't think it was scalable. So then I wanted to find a manufacturer that I could work with to, you know, create pieces in mass. And I didn't really know the process because you had touched on that a little bit earlier. I was just like, hey, I have these ideas, but how do I bring them to life? Mm-hmm. And the manufacturer put me in touch with a CAD designer because you do need to have a CAD designer. And she's also an immigrant. She's from Iran. And she and I are like so simpatico, right? Like I tell her what I want. I give her a rough sketch. I give her some uh, measurements. And she gets it right pretty much on the first try. And she gets what I'm trying to do. So everything came together. I mean, it was a journey to find these two. But once I did find them, it's so easy to work with them because Um, you know, I'm able to translate the ideas that I have. She's able to translate them into CADs. She works with the manufacturer. She knows his expectations, what he wants. So he's able to transfer 
those ideas and bring them into fruition. So it, it has been a truly magical experience. And that's, and that's kind of what I mean when I talk about magic is when you kind of let go, follow your passions. I truly believe that the universe always connects you with the right people um, to bring your ideas into fruition. And if you can just persevere, um, because, you know, like with this guy, you know, when I first found him, I ran into some roadblocks, didn't really persevere, went somewhere else. It was a real struggle came back to this guy and it was as smooth as butter, right? So I truly believe that he was meant to be in my life. And same thing with my designer. Um, she just gets what I'm trying to do. So I'm very pleased with the relationship. I'm very pleased with the final products. And, you know, I, I couldn't ask for anything more. I'm even thinking of opening up a manufacturing facility in Africa because I'm about to move back to Nairobi. And uh, I want him to help me build that out so we can create jewelry, not just for me, but even for other businesses um, that need a manufacturer. Jamila, I'm so impressed, so very impressed by you. And it sounds to me like your jewelry is bringing the world together. You mentioned three times you're an immigrant, the gentleman from France is, the lady from uh, Iran is. And we talk about diversity. We talk about inclusion in companies, in corporations. Yeah. But we don't usually talk about it with, I'll call you, very small businesses, almost mm -hmm. like a micro business started by and run by one person. And when you bring, this is facet. Robert, what does jewelry mean to you? Do you have jewelry in your life? Are you wearing I, anything, I earrings, rings? Talk to me well, about jewelry. I got jewelry. my original grain watch right here, which is one of my favorite watches. But I think I'm going to check out your jewelry, Shamila, because it's, it is Christmas time coming up and it's a great time to pick something up. So I'm going to have to check it out. Um, I'm sure my wife would love something. Yeah, please do. It's very, very beautiful. I'm, so you're moving back to Nairobi. That's fascinating. Well, speaking of the world, let's go to the world of Robert Grigore. <laughs> because Robert wanted to talk about his therapy that he does. It's EMDR. And Robert, why don't you just give us a little tiny bit? I, I, I did marketing for a lady on Long Island who was doing that kind of therapy. So I'm familiar with it just a little bit. And then we want to talk about music. How did you go from art and music defying the family. He's got to be a doctor. He's got to be a lawyer. I'm sorry. That's an accent I never had, but I just made it up. He's got to be a doctor, a lawyer, like the cousins, like dad. That's the only thing we'll accept. And he says, no, I think I'm going to go start a band. So Robert, I want to know about your journey. You're up. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just to tell you a little bit about what EMDR is, it's a eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's an accelerated form of psychotherapeutic processing where we can really shorten the treatment times for people. And I've gotten it so that I'm helping uh, my clients in a weekend. Uh, so that's really my, one of how I'm creative now. And then my journey of how I became a therapist, as you mentioned, I had all kinds of different directions and, 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 and blocks, if you will. Um, so I, my, my father's a doctor, my cousins are a couple of cousins are lawyers. And uh, I used, art as my method of managing my uh, emotional distress. So I was suffering with anxiety and depression well before I ever knew what those were. Um, and of course, addictions came very quickly afterwards. Um, so I was addicted to um, video games, TV, food, mm. uh, pornography when I found it, uh, all kinds of things in my childhood years. 
And I looked to um, fine art first um, to help me, you know, express what I was feeling, but I never had the, um, you know, while I had all the material possessions provided for me, I had the house, I had the car, even that I wanted, but the emotional guidance was something that wasn't present. So I didn't know how to manage that. So it came out in my art um, and I loved art. And uh, what kind of art, painting, sculpture, what kind of art? Uh, drawing. I was, I was a comic book artist. I wow. used to draw my favorite comic books. And it's actually a crazy story. Uh, crazy, if you will, but um, I don't know if we have time for a really quick yes, story. Yes, yes. Tell me the story. <laughs> I didn't know this. Yes, go ahead. So um, when I was, I think, around 10 years old, I was having this exact same nightmare every single night. And the dream was I was myself, uh, a young boy, back in some, some time, I had a toga on. Um, so, but I knew I was some sort of royalty, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't really knowing where I, who I was. So I was just this royalty. And we were in this, uh, this rectangular room and there was a pool. And in the pool, um, there was a, two, two stone gargoyles that were uh, on both sides of the pool. And I had a bunch of friends that were over and playing hide and go seek or tag your red or something like that. And it's my turn to go and I'm hiding behind this wall. And I could tell you to the, to the detail of the, the squares mm-hmm. uh, of the tile were, were these like two by two squares and um, everything to a T. I, I was drawing that same picture over and over and over again, just like you see in one of those uh, TV shows with the obsessed child that's writing this stuff. <laughs> so here I am drawing this and um in the dream, the gargoyles come to life, jump inside, and they kill my friends. And then oh, I man. jump after my friends to save them, and the gargoyles kill me as well. So the mm-hmm. same very traumatic dream, if wow. you can imagine, right? So um, long story short, I end up going to Romania with my parents around that 10, 11 years old. Um, and I literally, we climbed this hill. I remember I had to use a rope and everything to get up there. And I didn't think I was going to get to talk about hills or the metaphors are, are, are massive here. Right. So I'm climbing up this hill and I'm standing and I, in front of this doorway and I just totally freeze. It's mm. the same doorway from my dream. Never been there before. What? I walk inside this room and it's the same tiles, mind you, like 200 years later, but the same tiles and I walk around this room into the big rectangular room. The same pool is there. Rectangular pool. Mm. What? Empty, of course. Leaves everywhere. It's old. And the platforms where the gargoyles were were there as well. So talk about a a, a deja vu. Deja vu. Heavy. That that almost sounds like what they call a past life regression, Robert, Mm, doesn't it? Doesn't it, Jamila? Like you you were there, but you you were there, but you weren't there, but you went there. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. So how does that lead us to music? We have to continue to dropping the little (laughs) cookie crumbs. We want to get to the music. Go ahead. I I appreciate the story. If you're just tuning in, this is Read My Lips Dream Therapy with Robert Grigore (laughs) and Jamila. (laughs) And yes, go ahead. You're getting sleepy. Don't you, don't you try that on me, kiddo. I don't do that. Go ahead, Robert. So how did the music come in? So the music started, um, my, my cousin had an electric guitar and he was fooling around on it. 
and um, we were listening to to some music, and he uh, he just started playing this little riff, and I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool, and so. I tried it and, you know, he helped, he showed me how to, where to put my fingers and, and what the chord looked like, and I kind of moved and it wasn't terrible at it. I wasn't very good though at the, at the very beginning. Um, but I just loved it. I, you know, I was really, really into music. You know, my first album I ever listened to was Metallica's black album. And so I was just really into that kind of hard, hard rock, that classic rock at the time or classic metal. And um, so I started learning Black Sabbath, a couple other tunes. Um, and I felt that it was, it was just such a, such so exciting to be able to create what I was, you know, hearing, oh, you know, on the, on the, I guess it was a, yeah, it was a CD player at that time. Um, so <laughs> there it was, and I was, I was re recreating it. So this became a dream of mine to be able to do this in front of people and actually have a band. And um, I didn't know where I was going to go with it. I, I'm pretty sure my parents, um, they, you know, they always encouraged me like, you can be, you can be creative, Robert, you can be, you can do whatever you want, hint, hint, but it should be a lawyer or a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't make any money doing anything creative, Robert. Of course not. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Here we are with creative people and, you know, your show is filled with, you know, examples that, that are the opposite of that. So, um, yeah, so I, I sort of on the back burner, I didn't really make that a, a, a real passion. Um, I went into my undergrad and I started to mess around a little bit with singing because as I, you mentioned, I, my first song that I sang with, uh, was good riddance by green day. And, um, I just got such, such joy out of, you know, strumming my acoustic guitar now mm -hmm. and creating music. And I used music as my therapy. I was in many difficult relationships, abusive relationships, um, mm. and, you know, addiction. I mentioned that. So my addictions turned into alcohol and drugs and sex. And so it, it, that became my way of coping. And um, I wanted to do some, something special with my music. Very, very interesting. Um, I almost want to call this True Confessions <laughs> tonight. This is, this is really cool. Robert, thank you. And I know it sounds corny and hokey. Thank you for sharing. But I'm going to say thank you for sharing. That was very, very interesting. I, I started taking up the drums about two years ago. And I have my own little band called Red's Hot Mango. <laughs> and we had two guitars. It's all Latin music. I have a retired MD who worked, who was a doctor for the Coast Guard. He's from Puerto Rico. Sings, uh, Shamila, he sings in the most beautiful, I don't know whether it's a tenor, and he sings in Spanish. And, awesome. Uh, and uh, I heard him singing, and I called him up one day, oh, about six months ago, and I said, Tito, I want to form a band around you. I want to highlight your singing. And he said, okay. And we got a couple of musicians together here in the community. We did performances because of COVID. We couldn't use our clubhouse here where we are in North Carolina. So people started doing music in their driveways and their garages during the summer. So if we finally got together and we did something in my garage and we put great big speakers out in the driveway and word of, I didn't advertise. I didn't put it on the community website. Word got out very soon, very quickly. And by the time we started, we had about 60 people up and awesome. down the block listening. Wow. And it was something. And then my guitar players decided, 
We don't want to play that kind of music. We have our own garage thing. We want to do rock and roll. We want to do Bob Marley. We want to do our own this and that. And they left. And I thought, what the blank do I do now? We've just gotten mm. going. We're mm-hmm. doing classics like La Bamba and Oyo Como Va. It was fun. <laughs> and then these two guys left. And I said, talk about creativity, I think, or just stubborn or refusing to give up. That's pretty much who I am. I don't give up very easily. I called up Tito, my bass player, and I said, why don't we start playing over tracks? That way we can expand our repertoire. We took on 14 brand new songs in a matter of a month. Mm. We played over tracks. Wow. We have our own, we have headsets that are plugged into separate controls from our audio guy who is the band manager. And we pick a songs together. Somebody will say, okay, what about these? We'll go listen to the karaoke versions because Tito sings. He plays trumpet, congas, bongos, quadro, wow. and he sings. Most wow. of the time, he just sings and plays the bong- the congas, the big, tall bongos. So I do drums, and Morgan is on bass guitar, and we accompany the tracks. Now, it's not easy because you have to blend, and you can't play too loud. Try toning down the drums. Yeah, good mm-hmm. luck on that one. That's a problem. But we've been doing it, and we're having a blast. So we can add yeah. new songs. So we'll kind of vote on songs. Tito will say, what about these? And I'll say, well, the drum. You know, sometimes in Latin music, Robert, very interesting – very hard to hear the beat and i'm a dancer and if i can't figure out the salsa moves to that song Mm. and my feet don't know where to go i wouldn't be able to drum it some of it has so much background uh, 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 percussion that -hmm. you simply can't find that one place to put your drum to hit the drum so i will veto songs that have so much that all i can do is just hit the stick on the side i'm hauling a seven-piece drum kit in a truck to go somewhere to play and all i get to do is hit tap tap no i don't think so so we got into latin rock which is really cool and songs that sound like anything you hear on the radio but the words are all in spanish some of them are familiar songs and we did 14 songs as a a, a voiceover cover over band i'll call it and we had a blast so robert what do you think cool you are full of surprises and that's no easy feat just learning one or two songs per month is is quite the feat was it 13 13 songs well i'm the type i'm not a rudiments drummer i'm a listen to the music drummer and i'll tell you what i do i I go to my drum lesson on saturdays did it on zoom for months and i just didn't get anything out of it i was recording him i could hardly hear him zoom was (laughs) kind of sketchy and i couldn't hear too much i wasn't playing i was just asking him to play a song and i was recording it on my phone and then storing it somewhere and never playing it finally Mm. the school opened and i made them promise that they would call me in when if there were other people in the building they would get them in their rooms and i would come in when everybody was out of the hallway masks bring your own headset bring your own drumsticks the teacher and i are about 12 feet apart on different drum kits so the way i do my lessons now is i'll say to my teacher just get me playing just get me playing so we'll say okay today we're going to play badass country girl music and i'll say what do we got and he said well let's start out with a little bit of carrie underwood let's do a little miranda lambert let's do a little bit of this a little bit of that and he just puts on a song he starts playing it i listen for a couple seconds and i play along with him as a duet and mm. that's how that's how I learned. So I just I listen after a while. You know where the breaks are, Robert. You know, you listen to a, enough music, you know, when they're going to a chorus. So I watch him. And if there's anything he's doing that I'm not like he's playing on the on the ride instead of on the hi hat, I'll go over there and I'll watch. But if he's doing an awful lot with his kick and awful lot of really complex fills, I'll do a little less, more my speed. And then I catch up to him and I'm learning by duplication or, and I don't try to imitate him. I'm doing my thing. So I can do six or eight songs on a Saturday, 45 minute lesson that I've never heard before. And if it's something I really want to learn, I'll do this 
and he'll stop. He'll look up and stop. And then I'll say, explain that groove to me. What were you exactly doing? And he'll break it down. And then we put the music on and we play. So that's that's the kind of drummer I am. I'm, I call it being inside the music. Mm. I'm not learning the notes exactly mm. the way Neil Peart played them or the way Buddy Rich played them. I'm hearing the song and I'm into it. But enough about me. Creativity. Shamila, what does that word mean to you? We've talked about it a little bit. You are obviously a beautifully creative person. You created a new life for yourself as a jewelry designer and manufacturer. But what was that spark that either said, jewelry will unleash that magic in me, or I will help other people, or I can do it. I've never done it before, but I can do it. Where did that, do you think it was something you were born with? It's something that your teachers instilled in you, your family. Where does that creativity come from? Let's get down to the mm. core of the show. Go ahead. That's a good one. Um, I think I've always been a risk taker. Okay. And and I think creativity is about taking risks. I like that. Um. So as a little kid, you know, I was kind of, a loner is probably how I would describe myself. I was very happy in my own. <laughs> we have something in common. So yes. I'm a bit of an introvert, but I call myself an extroverted introvert. But one thing that I was always doing was I've I heard was of your kind dreaming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard about you. You're, you're masquerading as, a, as, yeah, as an introvert. I don't believe it. Yes. <laughs> so I was always daydreaming. When I was in school, I was always daydreaming. My mind was far away thinking about this or that. And I loved reading and I loved just using my mind to go to different places. But jewelry was not something I would have ever imagined I would get into because I was a tomboy growing up. So Seriously? You? I was a tomboy, yes. And if my listeners could see this gorgeous <laughs> woman. And, and you, are, you, are you the model on your website? Yes, I'm the model on my website. Again, Laura, lovely lanky Laura, like go to D-A-L-A-S-I-N-I. <laughs> Dallasini.com and you'll see Shamila. You're 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 a world class fashion model. You know that, right? Robert, Thank you gotta you. go see. Oh my goodness. So go ahead, keep talking. So So yeah, so I was tall, you know, so people did try and lure me into modeling, but it was just not my thing. You know, I was a tomboy, like I said. So when I finally moved to America, um, it wasn't until like my mid-20s, I met this fabulous woman her name is miss ruby and she would just wear the most colorful outfits and i'd be like how are you wearing neon orange and lime green together and making it work <laughs> and she would just be fabulous and i and i just loved it on her it, it was that exuberance and mm. in kenya we are very conservative the culture is very conservative i never really fit in because as far as my mannerisms i wasn't um conservative. But when it came to clothes, I tended to, you know, wear my browns and my grays and my blacks and things. But I met Miss Ruby and I said, you know what, I need to unleash the beast that's within that's just trying to escape. Mm -hmm. So that's when I got into fashion. And as I got into fashion, I realized that accessories were my thing. So you'll notice like, um, so in my personal life, I typically wear a lot of hats. So I love to accessorize with a hat and the right rings and the right, you know, earrings and the statement necklace and the bracelets and all of that and just have fun with it. So I thought about, okay, I want to get into fashion because I'm totally into it, um, but I don't want to do clothes or shoes because mm -hmm. 
those are very trendy. Um, but I have more fun with, you know, there, it's, it's just harder to do that. It doesn't really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't have staying power, right? You know, one, one minute, you know, this is in and this is out. But jewelry is actually something that has meaning to a lot of yes. people. Yes. Um, it's very personal. Um, and, it's, and it's not really that trend driven. So that's how I picked jewelry. I just wanted something in fashion, but I wanted something that meant something. And as I did my research into jewelry in Africa, um, I realized that there was a big, big connection. So Dalasini actually means uh, cinnamon in Swahili. So we speak oh. Swahili in Kenya. And cinnamon, I, I picked that word because back um, in antiquity, before we had money and we were doing barter trade, cinnamon was actually almost as valuable as gold. Mm -hmm. That is something that you would yep. give like to a king or a queen as a gift. Yep. And our jewelry was usually made using animal bones or inspired <clears throat> by animals. Uh, we wanted to get the properties of, of those animals. So if, so for example, the earrings that I'm wearing, uh, you can't really see the detail, but it's based on a snake vertebrae. So, uh, the black mamba is actually uh, one of the deadliest animals in Africa. And we believed that if you wear uh, jewelry made from the bones of an animal whose properties you wanted to have. So, for example, you want to have courage, which is what a black mamba would represent. Then you would make a piece of jewelry from the bones, the snake vertebrae of uh, a black mamba. So that's what the pieces are are built around is they're modern because when I was going down the one of a kind antique bead um, idea, which was my original idea, I was like, yeah, that's cool, but that's not really my style. I'm mm -hmm. more of a modern, you know, kind of a girl. So I wanted pieces that were more modern, but still had that same history. So every piece has a story. Um, it ties into, um, you know, I have five archetypes um, that I've aligned each piece of the jewelry with. So like strength, uh, caring, uh, you know, those types of things. And each piece uh, helps people connect with the part of themselves that either they want to have more of, they already have it, or they don't think they have it and they want to bring it out a little bit more. So for example, this necklace I'm wearing um, is called Ooh. the shield Stunning. necklace. So you'll see it's a, uh, it's a sphere yeah. and it's a shield. And the story behind this is when I was uh, growing up, um, I, I, I saw a documentary about this warrior called Shaka Zulu. And he was a great uh, Zulu warrior in Africa. He had a very unique uh, military technique where he took the spear, which is normally a long handled kind of a thing that you throw from a distance. And he was like, no, I want something that I can use for hand-to-hand -hand combat in close contact. So he kept the shaft of the spear. And then he came up with this strategy where he would lure in the enemy and they would think that he just had this small army uh, and he would lure them into a valley. But meanwhile, the rest of his army was hidden all around. So as soon as they came in, they would get surrounded and they would be destroyed with this spear. It's called an Asagai in uh, Zulu. And he conquered a huge part of South Africa in a very short amount of time. 
And that is a symbol to me of, of, of courage and bravery. Um, so when I have a meeting or an event I want to go to and I want to feel strong and powerful, like I wear, you know, this shield necklace and this is like the matching ring. This is like two little spears that you can see. So stuff like that is, is what I make. And, and when I look at it, it makes me happy. It makes me feel powerful. It makes me feel connected. Um, and I think, you know, that it does that for a lot of people. I mean, when you think about dressing, it's like putting on your armor to face the day. Mm -hmm. right? When you want to feel good, you know, you dress for your day. And jewelry is a part of that. Thank you, Shamila. I love the stories. I was intrigued with the black mamba bones, the vertebrae. <laughs> Never heard of that. Jewelry is very personal. And there were times when I look through my jewelry, uh, my jewelry collection, I used to buy uh, nothing to do with with you, but I used to buy or nothing intended toward you, but I used to buy vintage upscale vintage jewelry by the lot on eBay. And mm, I would mm -hmm. see the pictures 10, 15, 20, 30 pieces, and they'd, I could bid on them and maybe get a box for 40, 50 bucks. And the box would come and sometimes they would wrap each piece individually with tissue paper and, uh, and wrapping paper or, or with uh, tape. And it would take me an hour to unwrap all the pieces in the box. And I'd lay them out on my bed and I'd have something like five brooches, 16 bracelets, 14 necklaces. And I call my mother and my sister both alive at the time. And I'd say, come on over and shop for jewelry in my bedroom. And the bed would be covered with this jewelry. And sometimes there were really good pieces that people just wanted to get rid of. But my mm -hmm. point in telling you this, I'm going to ask Robert a question in a second. My point is that when I look through my good jewelry, the really good stuff, I relate it to relationships because mm -hmm. Robert isn't a relationship, a man and a woman or whoever, whoever, whatever you choose, whoever you choose, whoever mm -hmm. anybody chooses. Jewelry is a sign of commitment or of love or of be part of me or I want you to remember me. And I look at certain necklaces and I say, oh, I remember who gave. Yeah, I was with him for three years. That was cool, but it was a terrible breakup. Then I'll put it back in the jewelry box. And I'll say, oh, this guy, I didn't think he really loved me, but he spent $1,000 on this diamond and silver necklace. I must have really been mistaken. I think he really loved me. <laughs> so I look back and it's it's like I'm seeing my relationships come back to life through the jewelry I've gotten from all the men I was with. Robert, have you used jewelry in relationships? I hope I'm not getting too personal, but I'm no, curious. Well, I, got, I got a ring on right now. Yes. Um, so when I gave uh, my uh, fiance at the time her um, her engagement ring, it was, it was an incredibly um, very personal experience. I shopped for... Uh, I was looking for months and months and months as to find the exactly. I had something in my mind. It was a princess cut, um, and uh, I can't remember the name of the band now. But um, it, it had very clearly in my mind, and I was like, "That's the one for her. She's gonna love that one." And um, of course, she did. I proposed on on the beach in Dominican Republic, Aww. and it was uh, <laughs> actually carried the ring because I couldn't hide the the box uh, in my shorts because <laughs> it would have given it away. So we uh, we would take dinner <laughs> vitamins and stuff. So I would keep I kept the ring inside a, a dinner vitamin pill container, and uh, I was like, "Oh, we got to take our pills, honey." <laughs> so I, I got down and proposed then. And uh, actually, bringing the ring into Dominican was its own funny story because 
um, of course, I didn't want her to see it. It was a surprise. So um, I put it in my my carry-on and I wrote in, in Spanish um, and in English, this is a surprise. Please don't open this. <laughs> <laughs> she followed instructions. In <laughs> <laughs> I love luck- it. <laughs> Luckily, the border, uh, the security guard, uh, or whatever he's called, he, he looked at it. He's like, mm, mm-hmm. Had a heart. <laughs> and just mm. went away. <laughs> Very nice. I love the story. Robert, the both of you have such interesting stories. Robert, what does creativity mean to you? You've you've explored it. You, it's hit you in the face with the music, with the art. Uh, you've mentioned your addictions and, and the problems you've gone through and, and that that those were your early therapies. You wrote that in your note to me. So creativity, did you think, oh, I'm a singer, I'm a guitar player, I'm a creative person, or wow, I'm drawing art, I'm a creative person. Did it ever dawn on you that you're creative before you got into your serious profession? What, what's your thought? I think that, uh, yeah, I think it did dawn on me that I had a, a knack for this, and it was something that I was good at, and you know, decent. Um, and so I know that that was that was a direction for me. I felt, I felt aligned to it. I think you, you spoke a little bit about this too, uh, Shamila, that it was, you just, you feel alive when you, when you wear something. Mm-hmm. I feel, felt mm-hmm. alive when I would, when I would draw and I would look at my, and the time would just vanish. You know, probably you get this too, when you're making a new piece that you're in the flow state. And I'm sure when you're in the room and in the groove, right, red, you, time kind of just vanishes. And then Absolutely. Oh, wow, three minutes, five minutes went away. Yep. Uh, sometimes three hours. Yep. So I knew that there was something valuable for me personally. So I kept doing it. And um, for, you know, there was, there's just so much that goes into those, into those moments that it just feels like I'm, I'm connected with my source or uh, the universe, if you will. Um, and for me, creativity is just that creativity is, ex- it's expressing your true self, your authentic self. And um, you're in alignment with whatever spirit, maybe call it your higher self or God or your spirit. Mm. Uh, and it's coming through you. And so there's this multi-level expression. And that's why I get so passionate actually about what I do now to help my creative leaders and celebrities uh, is because I believe that every one of us has that creative spark that needs to be lit, that magic mm-hmm. inside that needs mm-hmm. to be expressed. And it's all meant in some way for the benefit of all of us. So anytime that we feel, you know, blocked or, or, or we can't express that creativity, it's a huge disservice to everyone. Um, so it's certainly my job to eliminate the blocks and, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. I love doing it so much. Yeah. That's speaking to me. Nice to have things, you know, I will tell both of you that I I bought a paint kit, a full kit at Michael's. It was on sale when I moved here a couple of years ago. Shamila, your light did go out. We can see you, but you are dark, but I can can see you. (laughs) At least you can see my teeth. (laughs) Oh, yes. And they're gorgeous. They're, they're, they're like jewelry. They're, they're, they're beautiful. Um, and I bought a paint kit and I, I kept it in a, a closet for about two years. And one day I took it out and I said, gee, I think I want to paint. I know I don't want to want to paint. And I took it out. I looked, oh, it had instruction books and it had brushes and it had, they had crayons and colored pencils and, and some watercolors and some acrylics. And I thought, 
I don't know. And I left it there in the kitchen. I have a great big canner in our kitchens. They're like company kitchen, big, big keyhole uh, center island. It's it's huge. You could have four people for dinner and still have room to paint and do whatever you want. And and I got it out and I thought, oh, I don't know. And a couple of weeks later, I went back and I took some construction paper and I started playing with the watercolors on my paper. They It came with sample paper. And that was interesting, too. And blah, blah, blah. Um, when COVID hit, I had a lot of time on my hands at night because I couldn't go out to play. I play in, in uh, at open mics, Robert, all over the Cary, Durham area. I can do three songs and they can let me play for a half hour, three songs, because the musicians don't want to sit down when I'm drumming. Mustang Sally, nine <laughs> minutes. The Thrill is Gone, 12 minutes. Uh, uh, <laughs> keep Your Hands to Yourself. You know that one country song, Georgia Pacific. And that one can go eight. I once did a 30-minute set with three songs and they thought I was going to pass out. It was 100 degrees. I'm in, I'm in suede boots and I'm in, in fair done and, and everybody's in ripped jeans and I'm in a black dress and suede boots and jewelry and hair done and lipstick. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. So I started painting and I started painting and painting. I now have 85 paintings in my home. I had an art show in my garage. I have about 35 (laughs) paintings on the wall. I have a beautiful, I I decorated the garage. It's got a red, white, and black floor. I put in snap-in tiles. It's just gorgeous. So the walls are, and and inside I have on one of my dark red painted walls near my, my mother's piano I got after she left us. Um, I have the dark paintings. And then another wall, I have all my little sparkly paintings. I use a lot of glitter. I'm now doing acrylics and and I do a lot of collages. And, and when a, a jar or something gets thrown out, I take any kind of foil paper, whatever's on it, and I cut it into shapes and I paste it onto my paintings. It's fun. Anyway, creativity lives. We are three minutes till the end of the show, Josh just told me, and I have a quick question for each of you, and I've so enjoyed talking to you. You two are creativity embodied and impersonified, personified. There you go. I'll get it right eventually. So, Shamila, really quickly, if you were to leave the house right now and I were to give you one minute to leave, and besides taking your keys and your phone and maybe your special jewelry, what what are the two things you would take that would say ah that's Shamila? What would I, what would be so critical to you that you would say I am complete? I can leave. You couldn't take your house, couldn't take your piano, you couldn't take your your drawing board, you couldn't take your maybe a laptop. So two things you would take with you, regardless of the size. Go and Robert, you get ready. Go ahead. Camilla. I couldn't take my hat. I you could take your hat. Yes, hat. you could take okay. your hat. Okay, I think it would be my hat and definitely some jewelry. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, Robert, what would you take with you if you had to leave the house real fast? Well, I would have my ring on me. I never take it off, so that doesn't count. I would no, it doesn't take, count. I would take uh, probably one of my son's toys. I would I would take that because uh, he means the world to me, and I would probably grab my guitar because that that Izzy is what I call her. She's been around for so long, and uh, nice. you know, even though I'm not I'm not playing every day, but someday I'm gonna pick her back up. So thank you very much. And I would take red lipstick and I would take my drumsticks probably. And I would hold my 27 inch Mac with the backup drive. And that's three items on IG. I want to say thank you, Shamila. I'm so pleased to meet you. And Shamila Doriri. And again, look her up on D-A-L-A-S-I-N-I.com. Robert, quickly, what website do you want people to go to? Uh, Grigor Counseling. G-R-I-G-O-R-E-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G.com. 
I almost won a spelling bee once when I was 10. We have 30 <laughs> seconds to go. You would win I, again. <laughs> I want you both to say thank you to Josh Randell. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, thank Josh. Thank you, Josh. And L L L. And thank you to Ryan Treasure, the VP of everything at World Talk Radio Voice America, who did the voiceover for my show. He's my good pal and my tech guru. And I am AKA Radio Red. So find a way to be creative. Find a way to be nice to yourself. Come on, we're hurtling toward the holidays. Maybe they aren't what you thought they were be maybe your family can't get together get on zoom get on skype get on meetings find a way to connect with people because they're out there and people want you to want to know that you're thinking about them and that you love them and just make it happen one way and next year we'll all get together and hug wave goodbye bye from ak radio bye Bye. 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 happy thanksgiving happy Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week.